I have a question today. Do you believe? Has God given you faith? Or to ask that same question in a different way. Do you have eyes of faith to see God's truth today? May I say to you, don't let anyone, don't let anything steal your faith. Would you listen to this story? It's written by H.G. Wells quite a while ago, a short story entitled The Country of the Blind. It's a story of how a traveler came to a strange valley high in the Ecuadorian Andes. The valley was cut off from the rest of the world by high, impassable cliffs. The traveler literally stumbles upon the lost valley through a mountain-climbing accident. On a rock face, he loses hold and falls a thousand feet and is miraculously kept alive by an avalanche of snow. He finds himself in the hidden valley where he discovers a village of people who are all blind. They have been blind for 14 generations. They have adapted to this condition through the years. They have compensated by developing their other senses. They forgot many things. They devised many things. The traveler lives for a while in this valley. He is considered strange by the villagers. He tries to explain to the sightless villagers the vast and beautiful world around them. The sky, the mountains, the stars and such like marvels. But to his amazement, and frustration, they would not believe or even try to understand what he tells them. Instead, their experts proclaim of him, his brain is affected by these odd things called eyes. His eyes keep his brain in a constant state of irritation and distraction. They conclude that he would be normal that he would be sane if he had his eyes removed. As the story goes, the traveler falls in love with a sightless girl who pleads with him to have his eyes removed by their sightless surgical experts. She begs him to comply so that he and she might live together in happiness. Finally, he agrees to the surgery. The day of the tragic event arrives. However, he notices as if for the first time the artistic majesty of the sun rising over the mountain peaks and the color and beauty of the flowers and grasses on the meadow flowing in the wind. And as if waking from a dream, 
he realizes that he could not be content living in a valley of darkness. My dear people, as you've gathered on this Sunday morning, we've gathered in this place to worship together, to come before his word. Do you believe? Has God given you eyes of faith? You know, concerning faith in God, this world that we live in is that country of the blind. And this country of the blind, that spiritually blind that we live in, well, they have forgotten many things. They have refused many things. And they have devised many things. This world is constantly seeking to eliminate, to remove, to steal your eyes of faith. Sometimes it seems there's a concerted plan to surgically remove faith from our land and from us. We've begun a uh, summer series on Hebrews chapter 11, 12, and 13. We've entitled this series, Confidence in God's Character. And it really speaks of faith. Hebrews 11, if you haven't opened your Bibles already, please do so. Hebrews 11 starts with the definition of faith, where it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Pastor Chuck did a great job last week introducing our series and beginning our, per, our pursuit of an understanding of faith. In fact, in his sermon last week, he gave us a couple definitions of faith. Do you remember one of them was that he, he said in a couple of different places, um, faith is trusting God in spite of our circumstances. And then he also, the, the, the definition, faith is having certainty in an, out, in an outcome that has not yet happened based on the word of the one who promised it. It was a great sermon, challenging us in our faith. Martin Luther has a a definition of faith. He says, faith is a a living, daring confidence in God's grace. And A.W. Tozer has a definition. He says this, faith is the gaze of the soul upon the saving God. Those are great definitions. Yeah, I wish Chuck were here. He could see that his name uh, goes on top of Luther and Tozer. That, that would be great. And, uh, uh, those are great definitions. They help us. In our understanding of faith and in our pursuit of faith. For me personally, I have a, a very simple working definition of faith. For me, faith is believing God. And I turn to it a lot. I, I Certainly, do I believe Him? Do I believe what the Bible has said about Him? Do I believe what God, who God is, and what He has said, and what He has done? 
And you know, there's times when it's easy to believe God. In the, in the times of blessing, in the times of joy, and I, I can feel it welling up in me. I do, I believe Him, I see His hand in, in these things. And then the questions are a little more difficult. In the times of trouble, right? In the times of pain, in the times of loss, in the times when our circumstances just don't work the way we thought they should work. And, and things aren't working out like we thought they should work out. And, and yet, for me, do I still believe God? Do I still believe Him? Or the question is particularly loud in those moments of temptation. When the temptation is there again for whatever it might be and what comes to my mind is, do I believe God? Do I believe that God is better than this? Do I believe what God offers me is better than what this temptation is offering me? Do I believe God? Do I have faith? Well, today, I, if you have the outline, I'd like you to pull it out, and I, I, I have to stand in front of you, and I, I don't think it's necessarily a confession, but I have to tell you that God has changed my sermon over the last 24 hours. You have before you what the plan was, and God has changed that, and I will get to those points. It will be an abbreviated, uh, those three points. We will get there because this, this passage of Scripture in Hebrews 11 is, is excellent, and I want us to look at Abel and Enoch and Noah. But God has changed my sermon, and I, uh, there's some things I, I want to talk about. I feel I need to talk about with you. And it comes with this question. Do I have saving faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ? I don't have a list. I haven't kept track. So I couldn't really tell you. But I just know that I have been asked that question many, many times. That as a pastor, people come to me and they say, well, I'm not sure. This question has to do with the assurance of salvation. But they come to me and I'm not sure. Do I have this faith? Do I have enough faith? Do I have saving faith? Am I saved? Am I okay? Oh, and the questions come in a lot of different ways. They're, they're worded differently. You know, they come from all kinds of ages, young children to adults to seniors coming towards the end. Am I saved? Do I have saving faith? The questions come with different intensity. There are some that are just broken. There are others that are just wondering. Maybe you've had this question. Maybe you have the question right now. I'd like to deal with this. Before I get to briefly with my outline for this morning. Here are some things that I think are important. 
Folks, when it comes to answering this question, whether, whether I'm speaking or whether God is working in your life, folks, our salvation, it is the gospel that saves us. It is what Jesus did on the cross that saves us. This may sound wrong, but it, but it isn't our faith that saves us. It is what Jesus did for us that saves us. And our faith, our faith is simple. Our faith is just simply responding to what Jesus has done. In fact, what does Jesus say? If Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed. Okay, and the mustard seed is the smallest seed. So if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be moved here, and it will be moved. You may feel today that your faith is like a mustard seed. It's the smallest little thing. That's all that it takes. Because what really saves us is what Jesus did. What our triumphant king did for us on the cross when he died in our place and he was raised to new life and he offers that life to us and we just simply receive it. It is likened to in Numbers um, 21 when the Israelites were in, during the Exodus and it was another episode where the Israelites sinned grievously and, and God in his judgment sends poisonous snakes amongst the people. And these poisonous snakes were making their way around the people, and when the poisonous snakes would bite anyone, they would die. And Moses intercedes for the Israelites and pleads with God, and God in his mercy says to Moses, would you... Form a, a brazen, a, a serpent like this snake, a bronze snake. Put it on a pole and just lift that pole up in the air. And with anyone who gets bitten by the snakes, all they need to do is look at that brazen serpent lifted up on a pole and they won't die. They will be healed. And the New Testament likens Jesus on the cross as that brazen serpent lifted up. And folks, all we need do is look to it, see it. And our faith may be so small and so weak and it tumbles and it turns. But if our faith, all we need to do is look to this Jesus and we are saved. Oh, yes, we receive it by faith. But faith is simply sometimes, I want this. I believe this. I see it. I agree. So this question, though, that people come and do I have saving Faith. How can I know if I ha- truly have saving faith? It is truly a, a worthy question. Because when we read the New Testament, we read Scripture, there is false faith. 
And you know, this faith that we're to respond with, to the work of what Jesus has done, this faith, it can't just be faith in faith. You know, it can't just be faith in anything. You know, it can't be just, well, you know, there, there was this interesting full moon this week, right? And, there, and the people, so there are some through the years that the, the moon will save you. The, if you have faith in what the moon can do, and the, the moon, this moon. Yeah, I have a beautiful oak tree in my front yard. That, that I, could, there could be, I have faith that this oak tree could save me. It isn't just faith and faith, faith in anything. It isn't faith in false religions, no. Faith does not create truth. Instead, saving faith is just a response to what God has revealed as truth. But there is false faith. There was a time in Jesus' life where he said, uh, he, he said there's going to be a day when someone's going to come and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And didn't we drive out demons in your name? And Jesus is going to say, Depart from me. I never knew you. So there, there is this kind of false faith, this false life. James talks about dead faith. Faith that doesn't produce anything. In James 2, he also writes this, that the demons believe and they shudder. But their belief doesn't save them. So this question, do I know, how can I know if I truly have saving faith? It is an appropriate question. And if you have it today, I just want to keep talking. I would love to talk with you more. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Maybe you've never examined yourself. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Do you have this faith? And as I stand before you as a pastor, I would never want to give you Assurance. I would never want to give assurance to someone who doesn't truly believe. Because all that would mean is that someday they're going to be in hell, separated from God forever. And they're going to think about, Pastor McKinnon said I was fine. Do you have faith? Examine ourselves. Well, the Bible makes it very clear that saving faith... First of all, recognizes our separation from God. Saving faith. We take a look at ourselves and we see our sin. And we see our personal inability to do anything to change. To see our fallenness. And it leads us, it drives us to repentance. To recognize our sin. And want to turn from that. And saving faith also builds within us a desire for Jesus. A desire for the Jesus of the Bible. A desire for the Jesus of the Bible at all cost. No matter what the consequences are, I'll accept them. I want this Jesus. The writers of old would speak about uh, this life and, and they would say things like this. The best fare for us 
on this world is hunger. The best fare, the best diet for all of us on this world is hunger. And they're talking about physical hunger so that we don't get comfortable here. This isn't heaven. But they're also talking about spiritual hunger. This kind of hunger that comes from recognizing our fallenness and our separation from God, our sin, and this hunger for Jesus to deliver us, to make us new. All of that comes from saving faith. Often when we talk about this, the word doubts come up. And I don't know if you wrestle with doubts. Uh, I think we all do. And maybe those doubts have come for you in the, in the dark night of your soul. Maybe when you're woken up and those, those things just keep coming back and, and you begin to doubt, is this really truth? Is Jesus really the only way? Is this true? Or maybe, for some of us, maybe those doubts come when we're watching some goofy thing on the History Channel or the Discovery Channel, and they say these bizarre things about aliens and all of this. And Well, you know, am I the one that's misled here? Have those doubts started to come? Have those doubts been in us? We all have them. I think when the doubts come, I think of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, this incredible herald of, the, of Jesus. Towards the end of his life, he sent some of his followers and said, would you go talk to Jesus and ask Jesus, say, Jesus, are you the one or should we be looking for someone else? John the Baptist doubted. God can handle our doubts. But do you know what doubts are to do? Doubts are to drive us to repentance. Once more to drive us to repentance and to hunger for the truth of Jesus and the peace that only he can give. Well, how do I know if I have true true, uh, saving faith? Well, one way we can know, and one way that's very affirming, is that faith uh, shows up in evidence. There's evidence. It changes us. And I would want to say to all of us, if your faith in Christ hasn't changed you, then you need to seriously look at your faith. Because faith will change us. Not all at once. Sometimes some things are all at once. Most of the time it's a, it's a process. But faith in Christ will change us. And there may be some in the room that say, well, I'll get around to that. I'll get around to it. There, there'll be a time when I'll be open to those kind of changes, to the impact of Jesus on my life. But not just right now. I don't know if you're saying that. Maybe you would never say the words, but we, we kind of choose to live that way. Um, but we need to recognize that. Folks, maybe we don't talk about it very often, but death is every moment shooting its arrows abroad in the world. We don't have any guarantee about tomorrow. We don't. 
They say, well, I have time. But you know what they say about time? Time would be a great commodity to possess in hell if it could be purchased at any price. But there is no purchasing of more time once we're in hell and separated. Well, I thought I had more time. I was waiting till I was older. I was waiting to a better time. And then all of a sudden, life is taken from us. And we're separated for all of eternity. And to be in hell lamenting, oh, I wish I had more time. Could I purchase some time? And there will be no purchasing of time. Do you know this Jesus? This Jesus, this faith in Jesus has a way of changing us. It will make changes. It will make changes in our our understanding, the way our mind thinks. Listen to a verse over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 where it says this. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We have been given the Spirit that we might understand. When Jesus was talking about the Spirit in John 14, 15, and 16, John 14, he says, Jesus, give the Spirit, and the Spirit teaches you all things. In John 16, he talked about that the Spirit will guide you into all truth. When we have saving faith, it starts to affect our minds and we start to understand the things of God. And so I say to you, do you understand the gospel? Are you wondering about whether you have faith? Do you understand the gospel? Does it it make sense to you? When you read scripture, do you start to understand some of this? And you say, maybe I don't get it all, but I'm, I'm understanding some of this. Don't take that lightly. That's a big thing. If you understand the gospel, the implications of the gospel, and what's true about the gospel and our sin, that's something that God opens our eyes to and where faith is affecting our minds and our understanding. Faith also will show up in our affections, in our loves. In 1 John, it talks about uh, that as, as it being in Christ, we will have a, a love for other Christians. It's God developing a love for each other. In 1 John 2, it talks about not loving the world. Instead, we begin to love the things that God loves. And James talks about if we're in Christ, we're going to be people who visit or love orphans and widows in their distress. Jesus talks about Matthew 25 feeding the hungry and giving the thirsty something to drink and welcoming the stranger, clothing the naked and visiting the sick and those in prison. All of these things are going to start changing in us because our faith, because the gospel changes us. It also changes our actions. Paul talks about our our, our work produced by faith. James, again, talks about that that faith that that doesn't show up in works is dead. So do I have saving faith? Is my faith starting to change the way I think and my affections and also my actions? Are you watching faith lived out in your life? Faith also changes our outlook. Romans 8, 28, that great verse 
all things work together for good. Is your faith in Christ, is that, that outlook coming to you? When something happens, it's not a moment of despair. It's a moment of looking to God. That outlook. What, what about the woman in the in time of Christ? She had a, a problem with her body, and, and she had gone to all kinds of doctors, couldn't, spent all her money, and was never taken care of. And in her mind, she had this outcome, that if all I need do is touch the hem of Christ's garment, and I will be healed. Is that the kind of outlook we have? Faith brings those kind of changes in us. Well, this question, do I have faith? I'm not asking any of us. I'm not asking myself, do I have perfect faith? No, we're like that man who brought his son to Jesus. And he said, you know, if you could do anything, Jesus, would you heal my son? And Jesus said, if I could do anything. Don't you believe? And the man said, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think all of us would say that in this room. Oh, Jesus, we believe. Would you help our unbelief in those places where we doubt? Oh, I really like it. Romans 14, 1 talking about the the body of Christ there in Rome, and so talking about the body of Christ here at Westchester, where it says, except those whose faith is weak. Oh, may we be a body of Christ that just kind of comes alongside of each other, and we accept each other. We accept when our faith is weak, and we come alongside and we encourage each other in the Lord. Do you have that question? Do I have saving faith? I'm going to give you an abbreviated sermon here at the end of these three great passages, these three great episodes here in Hebrews 11. But before I go, at the end of my sermon, after we've sung the doxology, Pastor Austin and I will be up front. We would love to sit down and talk with any of you. Talk about your faith. Have you struggled with this? Tonight, the the coffee house is going to be about the gospel. We'll we'll be talking about it there again. It is time for us, maybe. Maybe it's time for you to examine yourself, to see if you're in the faith. Listen to these great words here in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel offered to God, this is verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. And then verse 5, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. 
by faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. I promise you, these three points are going to be very brief. But I think we need to look at them. We're working our way through this passage. This first one about Abel. You know, in the legacy of the human race, Adam and Eve were one and two. Cain and Abel were three and four. This is really early. This is early, early. Cain and Abel were brothers. And they both come to offer sacrifices to God. This account is in Genesis 4. I, I would encourage you to read it sometime. They both come to offer, and Cain uh, worked in the fields. And so he offered to God fruit of the field, grain offering. And Abel worked with, uh, was a shepherd, and so he offered to God a, a sheep from his flock. And so he offered to God a blood sacrifice. There's been so much written, and we don't really know for sure why was Cain's offering not welcomed and, and Abel's was. Had they been taught about blood sacrifice? Had this been the example that Adam and Eve had given them? We, we don't really know that. What we do know is that Jesus in Matthew 23 talked about the innocence of Abel. In 1 John 3, it talks about how Cain was prompted by sinful desires. In Genesis 4, when God is talking to Cain, he says, Sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is for you, Cain. So somehow God looked beyond the sacrifices to the hearts of these men. And in Abel, he saw faith. That's what Hebrews 11 tells us. And in Cain, he didn't. Without faith, you cannot be accepted by God. And isn't it something, all what we do in our worship, in our service, we want that to be accepted by God. Are we doing it by our faith? Let alone we want to be accepted by God, commended by God, declared righteous by God, by our faith. Abel. I think this phrase at the end of verse 4, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. If you recall the story, the competition, the enmity between Cain and Abel eventually resulted in Cain killing Abel. And I don't know about you, but I often get the brothers mixed up. Do you? I get which one was which one was able to, and I, it's not very difficult. You just have to say, well, Cain wasn't able. And Abel was able. I mean, it's that simple. Abel was able to please God. Cain, who wasn't able, didn't. But this phrase here, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. We're talking about him today. But folks, that makes me, at the end of my life, when the day comes, I don't know when that's going to be. But at the end of my life, the things that I want my life to speak about are the things in my life that were prompted by faith. 
when my funeral comes, we've done a lot of funerals here. When my funeral comes, I want my life to still speak because I was a man that believed in God, that believed God, and it made a difference in my life. And I want that to speak. I'm sure, followers of Jesus, you're all just the same. Verse 5 talks about Enoch. Enoch's an interesting, you know, there was, there's a bit written about Cain and Abel, but there's only four verses written about uh, Enoch in Genesis. And from Enoch, we read, without faith, you cannot please God. And this man, Enoch, was the seventh generation after Adam. So time had passed for a while. You know, there are two people in the scriptures who never faced death. You know, they are. One was Elijah, the prophet. And at the end of his life, he was caught up into heaven in a fiery chariot. And the other one is Enoch. Enoch. We know four verses about. Tells us that Enoch walked with God. I like the little story that um, a little girl's, how did that work? And a little girl was trying to explain it to her parents. Well, one day God came over to Enoch's house and said, let's go for a walk. And they walked and they walked all day. And at the end of the day, they were far from Enoch's house. And God says, well, why don't you just come and stay at my house? It's closer. And Enoch was with the Lord. Enoch, by faith, pleased God. Enoch, by faith, walked with God. And, you know, Adam and Eve, they, he, they literally walked with God in the garden, right? They, it tells us they walked with him in the garden, literally. But then after the fall and after sin enters in, well, Enoch walked with God by faith, just like we do. By faith. We're in step with God. We're in fellowship with God. And we walk with him. And then lastly here is, is Noah. Out of the verses, um, verse 7. Oh, I, I do need to look at verse 6 here. This is really important. Verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Folks, as we're trying to walk with God, um, there are two things that really please God. When his people believe that he exists, that's really simple. Well, is it? As you're walking through your day, there's so many people, we live in this country of the blind, there's so many people who question that God exists. It pleases God when we believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Do you believe that? He rewards those. And you and I both know there are people that twist that and you know, promises prosperity, all of these things. No, God rewards us with the greatest possible reward there is. He rewards us with himself. And the greatest good that we could ever have is God. And those who seek him, find him. Oh, and then lastly, verse 7 talks about Noah. And without faith, you cannot stand against the world. And that's exactly what Noah did. 
And we're going to look at this characteristic next week as we continue in our study of Hebrews 11. In fact, next week I'm going to preach from uh, Hebrews 11, verses 8 through 22. And it's going to speak about Abraham, and we're going to touch on Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. There's so much here. Next week we're going to preach on that passage of Scripture, but I'm going to focus in on verses 13 to 16. So if you would read that whole chapter, but then look particularly at 13 to 16, because that's where we're going to focus. But can I just say it? Moses, or excuse me, Noah believed. And what saved Noah from the wrath of God? What saved him? Was it because he built a big boat? Was it because he didn't give in to the world around him and stood different and opposed the world and didn't believe and didn't follow the evil of that day? Is that what saved him from the wrath of God? No. What saved him from the wrath of God is that he believed God. God had spoken to him. God had warned him. And Noah believed. And he was saved. Oh, we're going to cl- uh, sing a closing song. And Today, do you believe? Here's my application. They come from these, this passage of Scripture. Number one, have you received Jesus as Savior and Lord by faith? Have you been made acceptable to God? Are you in His family? Because of your faith in Christ Jesus and what Jesus did for you on the cross. Secondly, are you living in a way that pleases Him? By faith, believing that he is real, believing that he rewards those who seek him. And lastly, are you different from the world around you? Where I started with the H.G. Wells short story, and in this country of the blind, we are living in a society, in a nation, in a world that does not have spiritual sight. We live in a day when God's existence, God's truth is considered unnecessary. It's considered questionable. It's semi-tolerated at best. The world around you wants to eliminate your eyes of faith. Do you believe? Well, Heavenly Father, help us with this passage of Scripture. Lord, help us with our faith. Lord, build our faith. And Lord, you know the condition of every one of our hearts, of every soul here. Lord, would you give us the courage to examine ourselves, to see whether we're in the faith? Oh, Lord, do your work in us by your Spirit. And even as we're singing, Lord, even as we close, Lord, do your work in us. In Christ's name, amen.